This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek, and today I am with Steve Cockrum, my business partner and favorite British person in the world. Hello, Steve. How are you today? Hello, Jeremy. When you said today I'm with you, I'm thinking who've you been who've you been unfaithful with in your other podcasts? Oh yeah, I've got lots of them. Lots of different Liberator podcasts. Uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> hey, it's been a while. We have been very busy. A lot of you have been going. Where in the world are you guys? I'm finished. I've caught up. Um, we've had a crazy busy January. Steve, tell them a little bit. What have we done in the last uh, month? Gosh, well, um, I, I, we had our giant week in Oklahoma where we, we brought in basically all the new giants who are training, uh, graduated them, and then we had a, a giant U.S. gathering. Well, I think we had 85 giants come in. And so that was an absolutely incredible week, really. I think quite inspiring, envisioning, um, hugely encouraging. The thing I love most about Americans are they truly honor founders in an almost embarrassing way. So uh, I, I kind of pretend I don't like it, but in some ways as a Brit where any, anybody seen to get above themselves usually gets cut down. Americans genuinely honor people that create things out of nothing. So, yeah, I think that's probably why I like coming to America. <laughs> and and I actually like coming back to the UK, which we'll get to do the UK um, uh, Giant Week coming up in February in a couple of weeks. So I'm excited for that to be with our with our European giants. So uh, yeah. that's where we've been. We've also went to Cancun, which I know is rough for many of you. Some of <laughs> you that follow us understand uh, that we do. We use spaces and places to have liberating opportunities, and we had uh, we had about what 85, 90. Uh, clients um, and giants there in um, Cancun, and what a great time! It's called the Liberator Network. So, uh, you, some of you have heard us talk about this, but we basically have a network of people who are living liberation as a lifestyle, and it was so fun. We talked about um, uh, businesses and people, and we talked about couples and marriages and family and the whole bit. And next year, we've actually decided um, we're going to to make it a, uh, a Liberator. Uh, network for couples so people who really want to talk about marriage and family and and uh, self so that cancun trip will be um, really really fun so that's where we've been so we apologize for the delay you'd think that we could have gotten a podcast in but yeah. when we're together it, it just doesn't happen <laughs> and it was incredibly difficult to get you off the sun lounger by the beach drinking those cocktails jeremy as well so that's another mm -hmm. reason why that's another reason why we didn't get the podcast done <laughs> absolutely absolutely i will say we did have one of the most glorious uh we were at all inclusive uh um location and we had a glorious breakfast uh we had yeah. octavio serving us everything under the sun and we were like yeah one more of those and one more of these yeah so it was great yeah so I, I, I do miss I, it I, already i couldn't i couldn't believe how generous you were being compared to normal until i realized that it was all inclusive and it had already been paid for you were buying <laughs> rounds of drinks for everyone i, I thought something had gone wrong <laughs> want another need another yeah it's uh, all inclusives are our best friends i love it not well, necessarily um, the best friend for your waistline, though, or your calorie count. No, that's true. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we gained like 12 and a half pounds. Um, but it's, 
we, we've we're liberating ourselves since then. Yeah, yeah, we've been um, on a plan. Well, so um, lots going on, lots of activity um, in in the uh, giant world. We got to be on MSNBC um, this this last week, and mm-hmm. I've got another session coming up this next week. So a lot of activity that's that's happening, working with lots of amazing clients. And again, for the four and a half million that are listening, um, most of you know, I hope by now that that's a connector joke. Um, that's me being a little bit facetious and, and kind of maybe embellishing just a little bit. But for those who are listening today, we want to dive into um, driving team performance. We want to talk to you about an idea around authority and responsibility. So I'm really excited about that. But first and foremost, Steve, would you open us up and start us off with the driving team performance? What are the five keys to a highly um, effective and, and high performing teams? So this is, this is basically, in all the experience of what we've done, Giant's observation, basically, that the highest performing teams have five things in, in going. The first is that they actually have healthy, effective communication, where people truly understand the contribution each person brings, and the team works hard to create an environment where everybody, every voice, we'd say, truly feels empowered, liberated to bring their best to the table. Because if you don't have effective communication, you'll never have um, relational trust. And healthy relationships where people feel it's okay to be themselves and be real is probably the most important component of a highly uh, successful team. Google just released um, two years' worth of studies, which probably cost them a lot more than it did than our empirical uh, view, which said that the most significant component in a high-performing team was psychological safety which basically means without trust in relationship, there is no team. So that probably bears out for a lot of you the experience. If you don't believe um, that you can bring your best, if you're not sure whether you're allowed to challenge the position of the leader, if you're not really sure it's safe, um, or whether someone's playing politics the whole time, that really does undermine performance. So communication, relationships, we would call foundations. Then you get to alignment. Teams actually have to deliver. How does everyone get on the same page in terms of vision, mission, values? What are the roles, responsibilities of leaders? Do we know our strategy? What structures of people, capital systems do we need? And does everybody know what they're doing tomorrow? And are we aligned so that we actually understand what each member of the team and their organization is delivering. Execution, um, you can have all the plans in the world, you can have all the relationships in the world, you can have all the communication in the world, but if the team doesn't execute according to the plan, on time, on budget, then in the end you're going to struggle. And then lastly, even if you have those four, a highly performing team will eventually run out of capacity. So we're saying that basically capacity is that fifth uh, metric of the high performing team, because while you're building and being successful, you have to be intentional in the, I guess, multiplication of capacity in terms of maybe the, the plant you'll need, certainly the people you'll need, because it doesn't matter how talented the individuals in a team are, they will eventually run out of capacity and that will begin to limit the growth of the organization. So there's our five metrics, communication, relationship, alignment, execution and capacity. If you have those five going, you will win. So, you know, you can, in essence, have a performing team without having a high-performing team. 
and capacity is that last piece that can can really make it work or not. So what Steve's really saying is that first piece, number one and number two, communication relationships are usually what people pass over. And they so focus on, can we just get everyone on the same page? And can we just make things happen? And what they get, to his point, is compliance. So mm-hmm. people get compliance, but they don't get true engagement. So true engagement only happens through relational trust. And so if you've been on a team where you've had relational trust, you know exactly what we're talking about. And if you've been on a team where you've <laughs> felt that you had to comply, you know what we're talking about. I would, my hunch is that the majority of teams are uh, focused on compliance. I mean, they're just whatever it takes to get people moving and they think that moves, but it's not a flywheel. And that's really what we're trying to do is that a high performing team is actually a flywheel. It will spin and move consistently. But if you take communication or let's say a relationship is not authentic or, or valued, it will actually stop. It'll, it'll, it'll slow down to a minimal or a crawl because people will start working around each other. They'll create silos. There'll be dysfunction. And all we're doing is basically saying, look, if you understand and are aware of the dynamics of a flywheel, then some of you might be really, really good at alignment and execution, but you've not spent time on communication relationships because you think it's fluff. And what we would tell you is it's not fluff at all. It's actually the keys of a flywheel spinning. And mm-hmm. it's the the very, very foundation of what you build, which is the foundation of trust. And, so, uh, and the new, um, the Deloitte article that came out this morning that talked about teams of teams in the new world, teams come together for very, very short periods of time to deliver, as it were, particular outcomes. So alignment and execution literally is a repeating process, but you have to have established that common vocabulary language, which creates the culture which actually allows the organization to keep growing. So, I mean, you know, saying, Jeremy, I was with um, Indava, one of our clients in London. They've grown from 750 to 5,500 employees over the last four years. So this has been a constant but the reason they can keep doing alignment execution is because they actually have healthy communication relationships. So I think the idea that kind of it's the same group of people doing the same things, it, it just isn't true. The world of work is so much more complex and you have to have these five things in a dynamic tension, but fundamentally without relational trust, without that capacity to believe the best in each other and to call each other up, it, it really doesn't happen as a high-performing team for long. So. I love this stuff. We've been having a lot of fun, haven't we, really developing it? Absolutely. And as, as you get into, there's the people and individual leadership components, and then there's team dynamics, and those go uh, interchangeably. So when you start thinking about an individual, what's my uh, contribution to a team? Well, am I communicating effectively? Do I have deep relationships? Am I, you know? And then when you start taking the team function as well from a team leader, it's just great, great metrics for you to, to be able to use. But we do have one more tool we want to uh, bring out and share today. And it's really just a revised tool that we use. And for those of you who maybe are, are new to the Liberator podcast, uh, we've built uh, tools at Giant. And Steve and I started the process of um, 2013, really. Because we realize that most adults um, are cynical, they're know-it-alls, they don't read much anymore. <laughs> and uh, because of that task domination, we needed to give a visual tools with common language that was objective. And so that's what we're doing. So when you see a visual tool, it's easier to explain 
versus saying go read good to great or go read a book because again there's just no time to read all all of the books even though we would say uh we think five voices and five gears are good books but anyway uh with that uh would you walk us through steve the authority responsibility tool and let's have a conversation of how Mm -hmm. does this tool fit into uh driving team performance yeah, that's great. I think, as always, all of our tools come out of our own personal experience and then really reflecting on either what went well or what didn't. And this idea that basically if you're, if you're leading a team, the, the real goal is to create a culture of what we call empowerment and opportunity where, where people really get to stretch themselves, where high support and high challenge are matched. And we almost describe it a bit like I think you'd call it a teeter-totter or some kind of balance. And it's a real art to actually balance authority and responsibility. What that means is this. I'm Team leaders are usually pretty good at giving away responsibility. They're usually pretty good at saying, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to take that. What they're not so good at often is giving authority commensurate with the responsibility they're giving to each member of their team. So if you think of, you know, on that tool, the horizontal is what we're looking for. Where my responsibility, I've been given authority to make things happen. The two realities, though, is if I'm, if I as the leader do what a lot of leaders do, which we call the self-preserving leader, which is go, do you know, I'm not sure I 100% trust you, so I'm going to kind of keep the authority while giving you responsibility, fundamentally what that feels like on the other side of that leadership is not empowerment. I feel like I'm disempowered. I feel like basically you're expecting me to take on responsibilities, but you either always hold the power of veto. So if anything goes wrong, you don't know what I do, you step back in and you go, right, okay, well, this needs to happen. So all the chance I had to exercise ideas, leadership, go out the window because you come in with the trump card and say, forget what you've just done. That's not going to work. Do this. And so many leaders appear to give, delegate effectively and well, but right up to the point where they come under pressure or they don't think it's going exactly what they want and they just jump in through the line management structure or just literally begin to become incredibly directive and tell everyone what to do. And I think that's the that's the... That's what we're looking at here in this tool, the tendency of leaders to hold on to more authority out of our own insecurity, which automatically creates disempowerment and frustration and to the point where people go, look, well, if you were going to jump in and change it, why didn't you just do it in the first place? Don't kid yourself that you're really delegating this effectively. What you're really doing is you're allocating a task. You're not really allocating leadership and real responsibility and as a liberator you know if we're fighting for the highest possible good of those that we lead then we're thinking about this constantly we're calibrating support and challenge constantly but we have to be in this illustration this tool we have to be thinking about do we really really want to give authority to someone and and the importance of authority Uh, now there are certain individuals that you might have on your team that want authority before it's time and I've actually done that. I've actually given authority before a person earned it or I was really in the right role. Whether I was appeasing them uh, as a connector, sometimes I created a protector culture. So I'd go, okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But in my heart, I really didn't trust them. So, But I've also counseled myriads of people who 
work underneath a dominator or work underneath a leader who constantly gives responsibility and they're loaded up, but they hold all the authority and the keys to themselves. And that frustration, oh my goodness, that just disempowerment, it just it just oozes from a team. And that would be the first thing that you hear when you go and you do a discovery session with a team. You can easily see an authority issues uh, because it'll come out like crazy. Yeah, we've got a lot of VPs, but no one makes the decision but Chuck or mm. or what have you. And so this whole idea of of measuring authority with responsibility, and it's it's really hard. And I think, Steve, my, my hunch is a lot of leaders, it's it's not that they're purposely doing it. It's actually no. goes back to intentional versus accidental. Mm-hmm. A lot of leaders get up in the morning and they just expect people to do their job. Hey, I'm paying you. Just do your job. So mm-hmm. they're not necessarily thinking about apprenticing people or raising up leaders mm-hmm. or multiplying at effective level. So if you're not intentional, you might accidentally be disempowering people because you're holding the authority to yourself. Yeah, no. Any other thoughts think, on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that the tools are designed to create objective language for you to ask um, the honest question. So if you if you go, if you're not sure whether you're doing this right, all you have to do is kind of teach this tool to your team and just ask the individuals, where would you draw the balance right now? You know, do you feel you've been given too much responsibility, in which case you feel like you're being overwhelmed and you're kind of going, Steve, you're, you're, you're kind of treating me as if I'm way more experienced than I actually am. And all of a sudden, therefore, the responsibility feels really, really heavy. That's the other side of the equation. Or somebody may go, I feel like you give me responsibility verbally, but then you just take all the authority back whenever it suits you. So I kind of feel disempowered so this swing goes it goes both ways but just simply asking the people you lead what's it like to be on the other side of my leadership right now do you feel that i'm calibrating the authority and the responsibility in a way which is empowering you or do you feel that it maybe i've abdicated <clears throat> that's the classic um, people think they've delegated and they go right watch me do it good luck go off and make it happen well, that would be where the responsibility is way higher than the authority that the person is able to really exercise based on their experience. So um, I've got this wrong on both sides of the equation um, multiple times. I think we just find it helpful to be able to say, rather than, you know, one of the phrases we've been working on is perception is reality. So what you perceive, what your reality is, is true for you. I may look at it and go, well, I think you've got the perfect balance of authority and responsibility. That's my perception. But when I talk to you, your reality is different. And in the end, it's the reality of the people we lead, which is more important than necessary our perception without a conversation. Uh, I do have a question for you, Steve, and this is kind of an interesting one. But um, what did the Brits, what do the English call the teeter-totter? Because... We, call it a, we call it a seesaw. A seesaw. Yeah, we would do that too. But I just wanted to teeter-totter and seesaw, both of them a little bit. I hope you appreciate my cultural uh, missionary language of being able to talk teeter-totter, even though most of my English friends will now be laughing at me for appearing to appease the Americans. (laughs) But I know that your English is far more limited. So I think we we use about... Oh my goodness. Did you guys hear that, all of you listening? (laughs) Here we go. Here it goes. (laughs) 
We, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a podcast without a little bit of dig at my American friends. I know you. What What I love about the Americans is you've inherited our cultural imperialism, which we had first, and you've had, you've then have taken it on where you assume that well, obviously we're right. So there we go. Well, it is true. I I do think it's funny that we side note. We have the World Series. I think that's funny, and it's just American baseball teams. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but seesaw, though, that's just a funny that's a funny phrase too. Anyway, teeter totter, seesaw, those are just both humorous to me. Okay, so but, back uh, to the uh, last. <laughs> go ahead, go, go ahead. No, no, you go, you go. <laughs> so back to the driving team performance. Then, so if you think about developing trust with communication and relationships, then inside those relationships, there's authority and responsibility, and it's so so important to understand even in communication communicating the authority and responsibility and making that clear. And um, as a protector, where I created mistrust historically is I would tell people they had authority and responsibilities, then I'd come in and take it away from them. Then I'd give it to them, then I'd take it away and give it. And so over time, it was cautious around me, yellow light, because they didn't know who I was this day. I was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So that's something I've really been working on, and I'm still struggling with it. I'm still... Going here's your here's your authority here's your responsibility, and it, making it as clear as possible. But when you do that, think about how much easier it is when alignment comes around or execution comes around because people know their role. They know are they supposed to be supportive? Are they supposed to consult? Are they supposed to own it? When we give people the clarity, that clarity will drive the alignment and execution, and it will lead to the flywheel moving which then gives you the opportunity to work on capacity. So any yeah. last thoughts on that, Steve? I think just reflecting on my own experiences in the past that that where there isn't psychological safety in relationship, I look back, I can think of a couple of cases where, where almost people were afraid of the leader, however gifted they are. What used to happen was, I think, that even if we were given too much responsibility, it almost, you didn't know how to say, I think I'm overwhelmed, because you were almost afraid that, well, if you couldn't carry that responsibility, then then, then you were going to, you know, be the, be the person who was either sacrificed or you were the one who was going to be called out. I think the idea of just finding a way to know what's it really like, know your tendency. So for me, I go, you know, how do I make sure that I don't load too much responsibility on people? that actually I make sure that we're calibrating it in a way which feels like it's liberating and it's actually, it's designed to fit them. So another one that I would say for me is don't assume that people can just do what you do because for you it's easy. We, delegation is actually thinking and designing what is it that the person I'm handing this task to, what is their skill set, what is their capability, what is their understanding of how we do something inside our culture and having done that how do I actually make the balance work for them because it's meant to be light enough that it's a challenge but it's not meant to be crushing that they fear I could never do this or I'm only going to disappoint you if I do it but that that piece about asking the question how safe do people feel around your leadership are they able to challenge if they don't agree with direction how, how do you respond? Do you invite that opportunity? Because if you as a leader don't do that, the reality is 
you'll probably never know what the real reality of your um, authority responsibility is if people are afraid to actually say, do you know, right now, um, you probably take the authority away and then I feel disempowered in that process. If you can't have those honest conversations with your people, then you probably need to go back and look at how do I begin that communication relationship piece because it'll never mend in the alignment execution phase of the, the performing team. It's very good. And, and as all of you who are listening, this is just what we get to do as our day job and we get to meet people constantly and we start analyzing. So this was actually um, us looking at teams and seeing where teams were not functioning very, very clearly. And we've talked about sub teams, but to go every subculture has a flywheel. Every team leader is leading a flywheel and those flywheels are either moving or they're not based on these five. So uh, with that, uh, we, we do want to have, I want to share one last thing. Um, we have a number of giants. So if, if, uh, if you've enjoyed the Liberator podcast, enjoy what we do, we have giants who do this. And this is what we, we do. We have about, I don't know, over 100 giants working, um, helping teams and individuals and organizations um, function and multiply their leaders and develop high-performing teams inside their companies. And so we're looking, as always, about twice a year we'll, we'll do our training. And our next training comes up in April of 2018. And then the next one will, will be in October of 2018. And we'll do about, we'll, we'll host um, and train about 30 to 40 new giants each year. Uh, and that number might go up a little bit in time, but um, for right now, we have our list of giants. So if you find this unbelievably fascinating, or maybe you're a coach, but you're tired of doing it by yourself, or you're a consultant who would like to join uh, um, and be a part of, of a bigger team or a team that's kind of working together, um, you know, take a look, giantworldwide.com. Uh, but if, you, if you're really interested, then we're, we like uh, uh, people who want to be a liberator and want to teach this, who want to uh, serve organizations, but they have to have the ability to have influence and they have to have a story and they have to have the ability to carry a room and understand our content and uh, handle sales and marketing. So if you know of anyone that's interested in that, uh, let us know. Um, probably the quickest and easiest way to do it would be uh, to send it to hunter at giantworldwide.com. If you have any um, interest in being a giant, um, and doing this for a living. Um, it's a great way to live. We often say we get paid to do this, but we do and it, it works. And when you see it work and people are around us and they see it work, then they start telling all of their friends. And that's how we've been growing. We've been growing through referrals um, over the last five years. So um, thank you for listening as always. Steve, any last thoughts from the UK tonight? No, it's just this may be, I, I, provisionally, it may be our first visual podcast, in which case you'll actually have seen us with the tools while we do this. If not, we are working on it as we upgrade the podcast and the Liberating Network experience in 2018. Thank you so much. We look forward to uh, the next time we talk to you. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.